What's up? Welcome back to my non-expert opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Rife, and today you are tuning in to part two of coaching versus influencing. So if you have not listened to part one, stop right now, go back to last week and check out part one where I talk about all the pros and cons of coaching. This week, we're getting into influencing, and I am very excited because I have a deep, deep background on this, not only because I worked in influencer marketing, but I've been an influencer myself where I've worked with brands on sponsorships as well as affiliate links and other types of partnerships. So I'm coming at this from a very 360 view and not just one of these people on TikTok that's like always making fun of influencers. I have the background and understand this. So The reason I wanted to do these episodes is because I see a lot of people struggling with content creation, especially when it comes to podcasting, because they don't really know what lane they fall in. And they're like, I just feel like my podcast is this constant big production and I don't really know what it's doing for me. And so that's why I wanted to break these down because your podcast and the way you create content can be more meaningful and drive to specific things and prompt people to do the things that you want them to do whether that is going to buy a product from the brand that you partner with, or maybe it's buying a course that you created. Now, I know what everyone's thinking. Can you do both? That's a question I answer at the end of the episode. So stay tuned, listen to the whole thing, and you will see which one should you be, coach or influencer, and can you do both? Before we dive in, it's the holidays, and I want to reward you all with a very special giveaway for leaving a review. So for this month only, month of December, the review incentive is going to be a 30-minute one-on-one coaching call. So all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, find my podcast in my non-expert opinion, go to the section that says write a review, write that review, and then screenshot it, send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife on Instagram. I will enter you into this giveaway where you could have the opportunity to speak with me one-on-one for 30 minutes completely free. This is a thank you for listening and supporting. And as always, please support by sharing this in the group chat, in your newsletter, on your Instagram stories. Anything and everything helps. And I appreciate you so much. All right, let's get into part two of this week's episode. All right, so now let's talk about influencers. Influencers make their money through brand partnerships, creating their own product lines, collaborating with networks, media appearances, etc., And a lot of this usually comes from their lifestyle or their messaging about a specific viewpoint that they have on things. So some of the pros of influencers, brands have a lot of money. And if you are an influencer that works with a brand, you could get a piece of that pie. To give you background, when I was working in influencer marketing in probably like 2016 or 2017, we were inquiring to work with an influencer who had about, at that time, maybe like 400,000 followers on Instagram And her rate for just one post, that was a photo, okay, this is not a carousel, reels didn't exist yet, I don't even think stories were out, so it was just photos, just one photo of her essentially holding the product, they would pay her $25,000. So let's go back a second, let's rewind to what I was just telling you about coaching and consulting. $25,000 would probably be someone who's paying you that amount of money to work with you for like three, six, or 12 months. With this influencer, she was going to make this off of one post. Okay, so this is obviously a huge pro is you could have a huge cash injection for one piece of content based on your engagement, your following, your influence, etc. To give more background, brands have usually hundreds of millions of dollars to spend. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. I used to work on these budgets when I worked with marketers and they have line items just for influencers. One of the biggest campaigns I sold was $300,000 and that was just for influencers. 
that wasn't $300,000 for the whole marketing campaign. It was just to find influencers that would be able to post about their product. Okay, so again, imagine if you have a huge following and you match the brand's aesthetic and their content and their messaging, if they have $300,000 and they really see you as someone who's a priority to work with, they will move their money around and give you a ton of money. I know people that make $50,000 from a post. I've seen people make upwards to $100,000. Like there's a lot of money to be made in brand partnerships if you have the level of engagement and following that they're looking for. Now, I do think you can still make your own schedule as an influencer. It's just the time spent on content depends on your systems and what you create. So for example, if your aesthetic is like silly TikTok video skits, that's probably way less energy than someone who's doing a full-on travel recap video on YouTube with transitions and high-quality audio and video and lower thirds and subtitles, etc., This is where systems become really helpful because you could have a day that you batch your content, you could have a day that you edit your content, you could have a day where you revise your content, so on and so forth. If you don't have a system, I think influencer marketing would be really hard because you don't realize how much time goes into things. And when you're on a brand campaign deadline, you're working on their timeline. It's not the same as me creating content for my launch where I'm like, oh, well, I could always push back my launch or like create less content. If you signed a brand contract that's legally binding and they need content from you by next week and you just started shooting this week and you're like, oh my God, I still have to revise it. And what if the shoot doesn't even turn out good and then I have to expedite this process? This is where it can get a little bit sticky. But again, you can make your own schedule. This is not out of the question. I also think something really cool about influencer marketing is it's quite innovative and doing different things will make you stand out. This is why TikTok became such a treasure trove of creators, because people started pushing the boundaries and doing different things. Instagram was the same for a long, long time. It was aspirational, pretty photos, very luxury lifestyle, traveling all the time. And it became kind of a joke where whenever you logged on Instagram, it's like someone getting married with a fat ass engagement ring, someone on a private jet, someone just landed in Bali and is working by the pool. I I still think a lot of this exists on Instagram. And I know a lot of us are trying to break that mold with like reels and stories and storytelling. But at the end of the day, it's still a very aesthetic platform because that's how it was built. TikTok, with their crazy algorithm and the creators on there started really showing us, oh my God, wait, I could... I could literally like make this weird face and make smoothies and just be like smoothie girl or something. And and I could get a brand partnership with a smoothie company like TikTok right now. You all know what I'm talking about, that NPC content. I don't even know what NPC stands for, but it's people that dress up almost like animated cartoon characters. And they're just like, mmm, corn, yummy. Mmm jalapeno spicy it's like a video game somehow this exists on tiktok and those creators are making money they are laughing all the way to the bank we're laughing at them they're laughing all the way to the bank and this is why i like influencer marketing and being a creator because it's like wait you're telling me i could dress up like a cowgirl with pink hair and paint my face pink and stand in front of a sparkly banner and pretend i'm eating corn and make money like what the fuck it's making me laugh because it was on TikTok the other day. And I'm like, the amount of variety I see on this platform is crazy. And it just shows you that you really can make a niche out of anything. I've seen people like do skateboard videos and high heels. I've seen people testing out stilts in their house to see their husband's reaction. There's people that make their dog's personality the entire TikTok. So it's quite innovative. And I think it's really fun as a creative person to push your boundaries on TikTok and see like, 
oh my God, yeah, I can be like funny and silly and eccentric and goofy and still make money that way. That is very cool to me that we live in a day and age that we can do that. Another pro of influencer marketing is that the sales cycles can be shorter than planning a whole launch because it's someone else telling you what to do and what deliverables you need. So if we go back to a strategist and coach for a second, let's say I was planning a next round of mic drop and I'm like, okay, we're going to do a live round of mic drop in February, 2024. That means about 12 weeks before I need to have my assets and ready to go in terms of like the lead magnet that I'm promoting. I need to understand what time the calls are. I need to understand how many people I want in the program. Okay, now I need to develop the nurture email sequence. I need to have the graphics ready. So I don't like creating graphics. I need to think about hiring someone. How does that fit my budget? Blah, 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 right? There's a lot of planning that goes into launches. And to be honest, I'm still working on it, but I do think everyone that is a business owner does some level of planning, hopefully, before they launch a product or service. Now, with influencers, if you're working on a brand campaign or even like a media appearance, right, it's someone else giving you the contract and saying, here's what you need to do. So I'm looking at my phone right now. If I worked with Apple and Apple was launching their next iPhone in January and they hired me as an influencer, they would say, hey, we need you to be at this event in January. We need you to come and shoot two TikTok videos, two reels, and we want you to go live as we announce the new iPhone and unveil it. Then we want you to post in your stories the day of link out to our new iPhone and give your listeners a 10% discount. Right. So they're giving you a brief of everything you need to do that you don't have to worry about. Oh, wait, how many videos should I do? And would they like this? And would they like that? They're telling you. So going back to that Apple example, if they wanted to work with me in January and it's November, I'm probably going to have a much shorter sales cycle because that's what, two months? And maybe they would pay me net 30. We'll talk about that in a second. But that would only give me, what, two or three months to get paid. Where sometimes a launch, you could be planning it for like three months and still not see sales until the very middle or end of your launch and still not hit your income goals right? So you could be planning for three months and get one person signing up versus with a brand deal, it's guaranteed. Like they're telling you, we're going to pay you $10,000 to show up this iPhone event. Here it is. Like we're going to pay you half now and half when you're done and you don't have to worry about it again. It's like kind of one and done. I also think depending on what type of influencer you are and the content you shoot, you can be part of really cool opportunities that you never thought imaginable, right? So I've heard of people flying to Mykonos and staying at a gorgeous villa that they're like, I would have never, ever in my life done this or paid for this. Even if they were like a strategist or consultant and had the money to go there, they would have never thought, let me go book this specific villa in Mykonos and create content there. You get to go to events that maybe you were going to buy a ticket and now you get to go for free. Coachella, Lollapalooza, all these like fun festivals, right? Uh, Austin City Limits, South by Southwest. You get to do all these fun things that you maybe wouldn't have done if you didn't have the influencer status or you probably just wouldn't have bought it with your own money because it was too expensive. So I think that's a really cool pro is just the experiences that you get to go to and the people you get to meet. I've seen so many influencers meet other influencers and collaborate because they realize, wow, like we could do so much on our own, but we can do so much together. Let's combine forces and see what happens and create something really cool and big. Now, of course, there's a downside. And I have a lot of them because, again, I have done this myself and I worked in this industry for a very long time. I don't think introverts would love influencer marketing. It is very public facing, very forward facing. And brands, a lot of time, if you're working on brand partnerships, demand a lot of personality in order to stand out. 
So if you're someone who's a little more introverted and soft-spoken and likes working with your own energy and timeline, it can be really hard when you're working on a campaign that demands high energy of you and the timeline doesn't compromise for your energy. So you might be on your period, sick, having a panic attack, so stressed out, and you're just like, oh my God, I have to shoot this TikTok video because it's due at the end of the week and I need to get paid. And if I don't get paid, I don't know where my next brand deal is coming from. That's really stressful, right? So not only introverts, but people that have maybe chronic illness or low energy or very inconsistent energy, I would personally find influencer marketing to be hard for. I found this for myself, right? I When brands were like, hey, we're doing a winter campaign. We need you to do this by December 15th. Well, I was also doing consulting at the time. And I'm like, wait, I have these like two huge podcasts I'm helping launch. I have the launch of my program. I'm still trying to run my own podcast. And now I have to create all this content for this brand. Like that's a lot, okay? So that's just something to know. You do not have as much control over your creative content. Now, if you're on threads, I know a lot of people are like, threads is dead. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel like threads kind of became the secret club where a lot of cool people hang out. Mine, for some reason, just stopped working. But the point is, on threads right now, there's this whole transparent conversation happening with influencers of how much creative control they get and how they decide to work with brands. And it's based on how much creative control they get. So an example is, if you were going to work with a mocktail brand, the mocktail brand will give you a brief and say a ton of things, including you actually can't use the word mocktail. You need to say booze free or we can't have you putting the mocktail in a wine glass because now it's insinuating it's alcohol. We need you to put it in a regular water glass. We also can't have you like chugging it, even if you love the flavor, because that's insinuating binge drinking. And we don't want to look like we're encouraging binge drinking. We need you to swirl it around or make a recipe or just sip on it. Okay, now we also need you to shoot front facing and we need a close up because we want to use one of the images on our Instagram. And then if you could get a video of you actually making the cocktail, that would do really well for our reels. Okay, so you can see where I'm getting at. These brand deals are not vague in what they're looking for, depending on what brand you're working with, by the way. There's some that are a lot more cool and free, like do you do whatever you want. But at the bare minimum, they do have a list of things they can and can't say. And not all the time it's to be assholes, by the way. There are brands that are assholes that completely undervalue creators, and I highly recommend you don't work with them. But there's also brands that just have legal guidelines that they need to follow. So if you're working with a financial brand, right, let's say like, I don't know, Credit Karma, you can't be making claims about it. You can't say like Credit Karma is guaranteed to give you a higher credit score from tracking it or Credit Karma is 100% guaranteed to help you improve your credit score because that's not a true statement and it would not hold up in legal court. So there's legal teams that are heavily involved in the contract process and influencer marketing, and it can get so annoying because that can slow down the process and your sales cycle. So go, let's go back to the Apple example for a second. Let's say I was like, yes, I'm in. Let's do it. See you in January. And then Apple's legal team is like, cool, here you go. Here's the brief. Let us know if you have any pushback. And then all of a sudden it says like, if you have an Apple phone, you can't have Samsung headphones or like you can never talk about Samsung headphones in your next six months of posting. And I'm like, well, I use Samsung headphones, so I want to post about them because I like them and I think it could help people. 
they would be like, no, their legal team, which by the way, it's Apple, right? So they have a huge legal team would just say no. And we're not, if you're going to push back on that, we're not working with you. So now all of a sudden I could just lose a $10,000 deal because I pushed back on the legal side of it, or I didn't agree with something. So if they said, hey, we want you to be exclusive to Apple for a year, which means I can't work with any other tech brands. And I think that's insane. And I say no. And they're like, okay, well, never mind. We're not going to work with you. Again, I just lost a $10,000 deal. So you can start to see how this creative and legal control can really play a huge role in your income and how it looks. And it becomes very risky and it, it starts to mimic entrepreneurship in the terms of your income flows and dips based on how much you're willing to agree to and how much you push back legally and creatively with these brands. By the way, contracts can also take months. It's not like a quick two-day thing of like, oh, yeah, sure, you don't want to agree to the Samsung thing, no problem, we'll, we'll knock it out and do this and move forward. I remember a campaign I was working on took six months to go through legal when I was working at my old company. Six months. It was like, what are we doing? We had like a call every single week with both our legal teams, and then we'd finally get to a place, and then they would redline something else. It is insane how big some of these contracts can be and how much legal is involved. I also think we need to be honest. Money talks. Okay. There's a price to everything. There might be some of you listening and being like, oh, I would never agree to exclusivity for six months. But if the brand says we'll pay you $100,000 to be exclusive for six months and we just need you to post two times a month, hey, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Six months making $100,000 that could probably fund my entire year. Um, I'm okay with being exclusive. Now let's say they turn up the heat a little bit and they're like, we'll pay you $100,000 six months, but we want you to do two posts and a video. And we want you to show up to a live event every single week at our Apple store. And during those six months, you can never, ever post about another tech brand, even if it's a microphone or a headphone. Now, obviously, to me, that would be a bigger deal because I'm a podcaster and a podcast strategist. I'm probably going to recommend microphones and headphones, and Apple doesn't even make microphones, right? So that would be a silly thing for me to agree to. But if I'm in a position where I'm either broke or financially struggling or that money could be life changing, I might do something like that and be like, you know what? It's just six months. I'll take the 100000 and call it a day. So sometimes you end up agreeing to things that you don't really want to. But again, money talks. So this is something to be cognizant of if you go down the influencer route. Similar to competitiveness, I do think the influencer industry is quite competitive. There's a lot of mingling and influencer events, and I've been to some of them. And I will just say this, I don't think all of them are genuine. Everyone is trying to grab the best selfie, the best aerial view photo, the best piece of video that they can for their content. And they're whipping out their newest gadgets and they're, you know, they got a hair and makeup team and they're getting the best angles and you just start to feel like, wait, you know, why don't I have that phone? Or like, why didn't I think to bring that camera? Or wow, she actually has an assistant with her shooting. Like, am I broke? Like, why don't I have an assistant? And you just can start to feel very like keeping up with the Joneses. Sometimes when you talk to people too, you can tell they're not really interested in you. They're interested in seeing if you're competitive with them or not. So the questions are very like, hey girl, like, oh, oh, Mm, like that type of energy, you know what I'm saying? Where you're like, are we getting to know each other? Are we evaluating each other because we realize we're in competition? And I don't like that energy at all. And I, again, I'm not speaking for all events. I've been to some really fucking cool influencer events. And I've also been to some where I'm like, wow, everyone here is a social climber and just wants to get to the top and will step on anyone they can to get there. And I don't like being in that energy, which I'm sure you don't either. But again, money talks, brands talk, 
you know, saying you get to do a, a campaign with Sephora or something could be really cool if you've used Sephora products your whole life and, you know, are a beauty influencer. So I understand why people need to get to the top and get that credibility. But I really think a lot of them don't realize the long-term effects and the reputation they get. I don't think if you're an introvert or like socializing or being around that energy or can like hold your own or push back, I, I would find it hard to be in the influencer industry. I would say one of the last cons is there's lots of pressure to stay relevant and follow trends and quote unquote be hot. We've seen this on TikTok. There have been articles about this in multiple publications of like the the hyper trends. I mean, go on TikTok. There's a new trend every single day. And then you're trying to not only keep up with the actual content trend, but then the trending audio, the trending transitions, the trending like shtick, right? There's always like a shtick happening on TikTok and you're like, oh my God, I need to switch to that. Same thing with Instagram. There's the trending audio. There's the new template. There's a new filter. And it can just start to feel really annoying and you start to feel like you don't even have an own your own individual or unique voice because you're just following trends all the time. Now, you can create trends, right? This goes back to being innovative. You could be the influencer that creates the cool trend and now everyone is doing it and you get to say I started that trend, but a lot of the times based on the pure amount of people on these platforms and the consumption, it can be very hard to create a trend and see it set on fire because again, there's just too much content cycling through all these platforms to actually stick and become a big thing. Also, I think TikTok started out primarily Gen Z. I definitely think there's millennials on it. But Gen Z in particular, I think has a lot more pressure to quote unquote, be hot. And by that, I just mean in the traditional sense of being thin and skinny and having a six pack and having beautiful glossed hair and beautiful lashes and big lips and you have to be tan, you have to have a cute booty and perky boobs and da da da. Like I have seen this over and over and over again. And I think it's quite sad because people even close to me, I can feel them feel that pressure of like, Everyone looks beautiful and I don't and I need to keep up. And as an influencer, it reminds me a lot of being in Hollywood. There's very little naturalness in Hollywood, okay? Even the most natural people you see probably have a little bit of filler, a little bit of Botox, a little hair extension here and there, probably have a private chef, probably have a private Pilates instructor keeping those obliques tight. And this is where I think the influencer industry can get really ugly because it starts to mimic Hollywood in that way where it just becomes about looks instead of like skills or talent. And people will go to the extremes to stay relevant and hot and beautiful and unfortunately lose a lot of integrity and a lot of self-esteem along the way because I think we all know this, but it's worth saying it again is like beauty fades and eventually someone that is more attractive in terms of the public eye will come through and you need to rely on another skill set or another talent to be able to quote unquote stay relevant. So I think that's probably one of the darkest sides of influencer marketing to me is like it's never enough and you always have to push yourself to the max to stay relevant. I think a good example in terms of case study here is the TikTok star Alex Earl. She is going to make a lot of her money as talent in the Unwell Network and from her podcast. She'll probably create merch. I can almost assure you she'll have merch. She'll definitely go on tour in the next year or two and create a lot of money from sales. And she's definitely going to do brand partnerships and make a shit ton of money from brand partnerships. So she's someone I could also see creating her own product line. I don't know her that well. I don't follow all her content. But from the very little research I have done on her, I know she's dating an NFL star and she's from down south in Florida. I think she went to Miami. So maybe you should create like a line of jerseys, right? That say 
whatever on the back, like Alex Earl or Unwell or whatever. And Unwell already has their own merch, right? It's a whole other podcast, by the way, which I definitely want to do of like, what do you do when you hit the top? <laughs> like Alex Cooper, what do you do when you hit a peak in entertainment and, and how do you expand? But I think Alex Earl is a great example of someone who's an influencer is going to make primarily all of her money from influencing and not anything about consulting or services, right? The way you would consider Alex Earl to all of a sudden become a consultant or a service provider is if she created a course on like how to become a TikTok star or she started doing one-on-one consulting and looking at people's TikToks and giving them advice or audits. That would be an example of her switching to that. But right now she's definitely in the influencer category. I also think Lauren Bostic is a really good example because she started out primarily making her money from brand partnerships in her blog and then affiliate links from her blog. And then her and her husband started her podcast, The Skinny Confidential Him and Her. Then Michael and Lauren realized the value of audio and podcasting and saw an opportunity to create a network. So Michael partnered with DBA. DBA stands for Digital Brands Architects. They are a talent, uh, like an influencer talent agency, the same way Hollywood stars have reps and management. DBA is like influencer talent management. So Michael realized, wait a second, all these influencers have so much influence in terms of their following, and they're already doing all these brand deals. Why don't we start Dear Media? And then we can partner with DBA, funnel all these influencers into our network, and be able to parlay that success and create more revenue streams for us. So not just brand sponsors inside of the episodes, but merch. Right. If you go to the Dear Media Network, you'll see a lot of the hosts have their own merch now, whether that's a journal, a coffee cup, a sweatshirt, whatever. And then Lauren saw this opportunity with product lines as well and created her infamous ice roller. She now has another thing I called, I think called like Lispoon. She has a planner. She has a lot of brand collaborations in terms of products. Like she has that canopy essential oil diffuser. And then she did something with like a cookie dough brand. And then she did something with Erewhon and the smoothies. So to me, she's someone who really understood how can I maximize all these avenues and not just be beholden to brand partnerships, but create something myself. So I think she did a really good job of understanding all this white space as an influencer and how she could create something to take that up. So should you pursue being an influencer? I think you should if you like to create content, you're innovative or have a different POV on something, you love aesthetics and you love following trends, you also love networking, you love making connections and collaborating with people, and you love lots of different things going on. So even if we go back to Lauren for a second, Lauren is marketing her new product, the Les Spoon thing. She still has the ice roller that I'm sure that she's marketing. She has the podcast where she does constant brand partnerships. And then I'm sure she's always in the background scheming and dreaming of other products or other co-collaborative brand partnerships like the cookie dough thing that she can be working on. So she has her hand in a lot of different pots. I know she wrote a book at one point. She was starting to work on an audio book project. So I think this route works really well for people that feel very multi-hyphenate and don't like to just be one thing. I think influencer marketing and content creation could be a great avenue for you. Now, let's say you listen to both and you're like, wait, I like both of these. Like, can I do both? You can. And here is what you need to know. The pros of doing both are you will obviously open up more income streams because you naturally just created more places for revenue to come through. 
So an example was when I was doing mindset coaching, I had my podcast for years before that. And so I did have a big enough following where I felt comfortable pitching brands, at least small ones, right? I knew maybe I could pitch a local brand or like a startup brand or something that would probably give me at minimum $500. By the way, I knew that because of working in the industry. Like I kind of understood what my numbers would back out to. However, I was still coaching and that's how I made all my money. So when I pitched these brands and actually two of them at the same time said yes, all of a sudden I was trying to keep up my normal coaching schedule and really trying to be the best coach I could be for my clients, which again is helping them transform, really active listening, and then all of a sudden switching my brain to being a content creator where I have to like go set up a camera and lighting and script out what I'm going to say and script out the caption and get it approved by the client. And wait, they don't want me to say that. They want me to reshoot this. Okay, now I have to go set up that whole thing again while, again, I'm still trying to manage my weekly podcast and have my coaching business. I found that incredibly difficult because I was constantly dealing with multiple parties and marketing plans. Like I had to adhere to the brand timelines at the same time that I needed to plan my own launches and podcast schedule. So I found that very overwhelming because I was a new business owner as well, and I didn't have the support of having a ton of people helping me. However, another pro is that you do get more flexibility to decide the percentage of each so that you're not depending on one thing. So for example, you could say, I'm going to make 90% of my money from coaching and consulting because I feel comfortable with it, I like doing it, and I know it's more consistent, or I'm going to leave 10% open to brand deals or affiliates or something like that. I'm open to leaving that 10%, again, working on a, a content partnership. So I think that's really cool that you get to decide. I would say a con is that it can feel out of alignment at times because you're promoting your own work and someone else's. This was very time-consuming and honestly overwhelming for me because, again, I was a new business owner. I I still consider myself to be pretty new in business. Like I don't think I'm this completely established elite level of business that I could be. And so imagine like year two or maybe even the end of year one when I was trying to do both. It was wild because I was like, wait, I need to actively promote both of these brands, by the way. One was an app and one was a, a drink. And then doing my own coaching business It's like everything I was posting every day felt so chaotic. It's like, wait, I have to do a story for them. But wait, the contract for this one wasn't a story. It was actually an in-feed reel. And okay, wait, but I do have to promote my course. So I I need to do three reels for that. I found it to be very time-consuming. I know there are people that do both and have managed this because they have a lot of support and resources and team members. And I do think it's worth pursuing both if you can do that. I think a great example of people that do both are Michelle Pelazon of Holisticism. I believe holisticism makes a lot of their income and generates a lot of revenue from their North Node membership and all their Notion courses. And then they also have sponsors sometimes of their podcast or in their um, membership, like they'll promote an app or the Aura Ring or something like that and or have affiliate links. So I think that's an example of someone that does coaching and consulting, but also makes a little bit of money through influencer and content creation. I think another great example is the Almost 30 podcast girls, Krista and Lindsay. Both of them do a bit of consulting, but it's not their main thing. So they're almost the opposite model of holisticism. They make a lot of their money from their podcast and brand marketing and being able to reach a lot of people with their Instagram accounts and do those influencer deals. But then they both, I know they're kind of doing their own thing now too, but I do know that Krista helps people one-on-one sometimes with consulting. And then I know Lindsay for a while had like a course about being single. And then I know at one point, I don't know if they do this anymore, they were doing a bit of podcast consulting too. 
So they probably had it where they were doing like 80% influencer stuff and then 20% consulting and coaching. So again, I do think people can do this. If you have the team and resources and support, it's definitely easier. Or maybe you just have the energy and consistency that I don't and kudos to you. That would be amazing. All right, there you have it. Wow, I feel like we covered so much ground. I hope this was helpful. I know sometimes it can be a bit elusive to understand how influencers make money or these coaches that are making $100,000 a month, how they make money. And I think when you break it down and understand the pros and cons of each, you can decide how you wanna create content and move forward with your career. The way my business is set up personally is I make probably 98% of my income from coaching and consulting, and that's primarily just with podcasting and selling courses around pitching and interviewing and launching, et cetera. And then I would say that 2% is probably coming from affiliates and my Substack, Slight Turbulence. And again, it might even be less than that. It might even be like 1% or 0.5%. But I know my money primarily comes from the consulting and coaching business. And that might change, right? I do like creating content. And I do want to put a lot of effort into my podcast and being able to write and create more valuable content through Substack. So it's something I'm considering is like, how do I balance both without feeling scarcity or feeling like I'm taking a total risk and ruining one thing. There's a whole process to this, and I will keep you guys updated as I go through this, but I really wanted to help you understand which path is for you and if you want to do both so that it's easier to create content, right? If you know that you're a coach and you're selling a course, then it's easier to show up in your podcast and tell a story and then sell your course. If you know you're an influencer and you're partnering with brands, then you know your podcast is a little bit different where now you're telling your story, but interweaved are ads throughout the episode. So I think once you have more clarity, it's a lot easier to create content. And I'm very happy to answer any questions you have. So reach out to me on Instagram at Chelsea Rife. You can find me at my email, info at ChelseaRife.com. Please go subscribe to my Substack. You can check out all my offers at ChelseaRife.com and check out my new Substack, Slight Turbulence. It's all about my 10 years of globetrotting. That is my baby percentage of content creation slash influencer marketing because you can upgrade to become a paid member and you're paying for different access to content. So if you're interested in that too of like different income streams you can make as a creator, let me know. I'm happy to do more episodes about this. I love talking about this stuff and demystifying it and it's so much fun for me. Now, if you want to launch a podcast yourself and you're like, ooh, Either way, whether I'm a coach or an influencer, I definitely want to launch a podcast, then join us inside Mic Drop. It takes you through everything you need to know about launching a podcast, from recording pointers to setting up your show inside Apple, Spotify, and all the other players, to marketing, to planning your episodes, creating cover art. Everything is inside Mic Drop, and we do monthly Q&A calls as well as have a Slack community so you can stay in touch with other podcasters as you're building your new podcast. Check that out at the link in my show notes. And don't forget, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you'll be entered into a giveaway to win the Pitch Yourself as a Guest Mastermind. This is the number one way I've been able to drive new clients and sell high ticket is because people hear me on other podcasts and I know how to position myself because I did it for years. So if you want to learn all the skills on how to pitch yourself as a guest and you want to win this for free, go to Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the section where it says write a review, leave that review, send it to info at chelsearipe.com and I will enter you into that giveaway. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Chelsea Rife. This is In My Non-Expert Opinion, and I'll see you next week. Okay, I'm so curious to know what you think after listening to parts one and two. Do you feel like you're a coach or consultant? Do you feel like you're maybe more of an influencer or content creator? Do you have the desire to do both? 
This is the biggest question mark I see online, and I don't think people really know what category they even fall to. So hopefully listening to both the pros and cons of each helps you understand which one makes most sense for you and how you can start to create content to align with your role. I know we're at the very end of the year. You're probably creating your vision board for 2024. Maybe launching a podcast was on your vision board this year and it got pushed off. And you might be like, oh, maybe next year, maybe next quarter. I'm here to tell you, there is no better time to start than now because the podcast space is only getting bigger. Spotify keeps putting investments into their podcasting branch. Apple continues to invest in audio. Every big tech company right now is investing into audio because of how many people are in this space and the conversions that brands are seeing. So if you want to start a podcast, whether that's for creative hobby or expression or to drive to your business, I would love to help you do that. It's exactly what I teach you inside Mic Drop. It teaches you everything from A to Z, from recording, prepping, launching, promoting, marketing, everything you need to know about podcasting I've included in this course. And you can join for just $167 a month for six months. So there's a six-part extended payment plan and you get access to our live Q&A calls each month as well as a Slack channel to connect with other like-minded podcasters. You can find more information about this in the show notes as always. And just a reminder, this month I'm giving away a 30-minute one-on-one coaching call. All you have to do is go to my non-expert opinion on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the part where it says write a review, write your review, screenshot it before you hit submit, and then send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife on Instagram. I will pull a winner at the end of the month to win this coaching call with me. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I cannot wait to hear what you think of this episode. I'm Chelsea Rife. This is in my non-expert opinion. And I'll see you next week.